right? And then these angels show up. Right? And this is what the angels say. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is called the Christ. Now the angels kind of announced with Twitter brevity this really, really dense picture of Christmas and what the message is about, right? It's not announced to kings. It's not announced to the Roman emperor. It's not announced to the priests who go to church most often. It's announced to these shepherds working the night shift, out in the fields, not wearing their Sunday best, just going about everyday life. People like you and me. There's four things I want to sort of really highlight this morning that I think are the core and the kernel of this Christmas message. The first is this, that it is good news that is announced. Now this word, we've probably heard, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but historically this is a rooted word. This word has a particular contextual meaning in the first century. You see, there's this guy named Caesar, Augustus Caesar. He converts the Republic into an empire. And what they would do is they would expand, right? And every time they expanded, they conquered some German barbarian horror. They would announce the Evangelium, the good news of the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. Right? Because they just conquered a new horror. Now they had new raw materials, so that would help their economy. And all those unsavory barbarians out there were, you know, laid to rest. So now everyone was safe and they could prosper economically. So every single time a barbarian and a horde was conquered, they would send out this message of the good news, the Pax Romana this year, and Augustus, I brought you guys peace and prosperity. Right, so it's in this contextual understanding of the good news that the angels say, hey guys, it's good news. The shepherds know this. And they know that this is a counter-narrative. This is a way to undermine the announcement of peace and prosperity of the Pax Romanda is an alternative good news. One of the things that's unique about it, right, this is meant to produce great joy. Now, this great joy, it's, in Greek, it's mega, mega kara, right? Mega, we know that word is big. And kara is joy, but it's the sound of banquet laughter. So you imagine, I, I don't know who you have over for Thanksgiving, but we had 20 people in our house this Thanksgiving. It was like multiple tables. There was this one moment when I went outside, I had to take out the trash and came back in. And I saw just people laughing and hanging out and enjoying life. And maybe that's what you're looking forward to this Christmas. Maybe it's you remember a moment when you experience this. But that's Kara, that's joy. This great amount of joy, this connection, this fellowship, right? And one of the reasons it's great joy is because it is for all people. Right? This is one of the huge differences between the Pax Romana, the announcement of the good news that the Romans would announce, and the announcement of the angels. Right? That this is actually good news for the shepherds. Right? Because the shepherds would not have benefited in Roman rule. Right? This was for the wealthy and the Romans, right? They're the ones who got all the raw material that really benefited. Not these poor shepherds at night. But it's good news of great joy for all people. Now one of the things, though, is a little bit more here. Because the message, this good news, not only differed in scope, right? And not only included the shepherds, not just the wealthy Romans, but it also significantly differed 
content than the good news of the Roman Empire. This is what the angel said, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Right, see, the, the good news is about a Savior. Right, the, the, the shepherds would have known this. They had this hope that a Savior, a Messiah, the Greek text says Christ, which is just a way of saying Messiah, in, that's the Greek expression of Hebrew, this one that they were waiting for. And so it's been 700 years since the Jewish people have really been able to rule themselves. They've been waiting and looked, and they find these clues in the scriptures that said, wow, God's going to come, and he's going to rescue us. He's going to save us. It's been a long, long time. And when the angels say, hey, Christ, Savior is coming, they know, oh, man, God is coming here. A Savior is coming. But the thing is, right, like, I think maybe we get that. And as modern people, we're like, well, like, can't Christmas just be about trees and presents and lights, you know? And maybe we're going to okay with this idea of saving, but it sort of has to be them, right? God is going to save these people 2,000 years ago, but it soon starts to get a little uncomfortable, right? And the Christmas message now becomes about us maybe being saving too. But I think there's a few modern assumptions that happen at this point that we sort of lose the essence of the good news. One of the things that happens right in our cultural moment is that we can confuse good advice for good news. Right? Sometimes we think, well, the angels, right? They're declaring good news. And we think, awesome, like I am gonna get an awesome manual on how to act the good life. Right? Like we live in a culture of blogs and podcasts, and we listen to them, we think, alright, this is what religion is about. Religion is about becoming better people, right? That's actually not what they declare. They don't declare good advice. They declare good news. That God has done something, not that we have to muster up the strength and the energy and try harder in order to rock it. One of the things that my family likes to do is play board games, specifically my son, Josiah. Now, one game that we play on occasion is called Shoots and Ladders. Does anyone play this game? Has anyone tried playing this game? <laughs> a couple people, yeah, thank you for being honest. Right, because it's one of those things where you work your way up, right, you go up this, the ladder, you're right at the end, and then you roll a die, you get a shoot, and you literally fall the way down to fall. I don't know why they don't call it uh, ladders and slides, because I don't know what a shoot is, but I sort of made sense of it. But I think it's actually an interesting window into the Christmas story. Because sometimes I think we think about the Christmas story primarily in terms of ladders. Right? We think of it in terms of we need to be ethically the kind of people that need to go up. Right? This is what religion's all about. We're trying to figure out, alright, what do I need to do to become a better person? What do I need to do to improve my life? Right? We look at the world, we think, what do I need to do? The truth is, the Christmas story is not about us and what we need to do. Right? It's a story about God coming down the slide into our world, into our brokenness. Right? This is not about good advice about how to live better. This is a story about God coming down into the reality of our life. 
to see how God has seen you. One of the things that's true, right, if you think about good advice, this would be historically, this would be Caesar, after he's called a, a place, going to the army and saying, hey guys, this is how you fight better, right? That's good advice. This is how you do it. What Caesar would do is he declared good news. The good news was, we have now. Right? You see this in the Christmas story. Right? The shepherds, what do they do? They go and visit Jesus, and then they come back with big stone tablets, right? Like Moses did, like, this is how you do life, right? No. What do they do? They come back. This is what the text says. The shepherds return glorifying and praising God. They come back saying, God, you have come down the slide into our reality to help us. Now, that's one of the things that we sort of get caught up in modern people, right? This idea of good advice versus good news. I think the other one is sort of this contrast between God as a watchmaker and God as a man. I think sometimes we think of God as like, he made all things, he's awesome, thanks God for doing all this, but he's basically a cosmic cheerleader in the sky who gives us laws and self-help manuals and books to read so that we can do that. Like, I hope it works. But that's not the Christmas story. Right? If you've been around the church a little bit, you know Emmanuel means God with us, and that's what Christmas is all about. It's about God coming into the trenches of everyday life, being with us. Now, lastly, I think one of the contrasts, one of the things that is hard for us modern people to get when it comes to the Christmas story is this idea of who is the one who gets to do the assessment, right? Do we self-assess or does God get to assess? Like, we live in a model kind of like Starbucks, right? You go into Starbucks, and the barista asks you, what size would you like, right? You can have a Debbie, a short, a tall, a grande, a thin, But the line dividing good and evil 
human being. I think we get this on some level. Now, maybe some of us are like, not me. This is the true tell. Ask your spouse. Ask your parent. Ask your roommate. And I'm pretty much can guarantee that whoever is living closest to you will be able to say, oh no, they're a mixed bag. No, no, they think they got it all together, but they don't, you know? Because the divine line between good and evil runs in the middle of all of us. Right? This is why it's so hard to eradicate the whole world. Right? Because it's complex, it's everywhere, it's big. If we could have solved the problem of evil and suffering, the brokenness of the world, we would have. The reason we have it, the reason God had to come on human flesh and enter into the brokenness of our life is because the problem of evil is super complex. I think you know this. Right? It's that moment in your marriage when you're circling back to that same entrenched fight and you wish you could say that nicer things, but you don't. It's that moment as a parent when you really want to love your kids when they're screaming and crying and you get angry at them again. But it's that thing that happened to you where now you can no longer know what you want to do because at some point that ability to want was damaged. Maybe by a harsh parent or a terrible incident in your past. You know on some level when these things are happening that the world is not as it should be. Maybe it's that sad, lonely feeling you have at night. And you're going back to the fridge, you know, for the third or the fourth time, and you're, you're binging again on Netflix, right? Because there's this anxiety. There's this sense of lostness, this sense of darkness, this sense of vague uh, meaninglessness that you're trying to keep at bay. Or maybe it's the reason you keep moving and moving and moving and you cannot slow down because you're trying to keep all these things inside of you at arm's you know in those moments, the world is not as it should be. And it's for these reasons that Jesus takes on human flesh to meet us in the brokenness of our everyday life. The reason is he doesn't say climb the ladder, but he comes down to slide. And this is what Christmas is all about. This is about God in the mess of first century life offering to restore and rescue us restore us to you and me. And this is why the angels at that moment declare that it is good news of great joy for all people that a Savior has been born. Now, if you're sort of, I don't know, you're wondering about this, maybe you're inner cynic sort of raging at the moment, you're like, I don't know. Let me give you two of the last points that I think are important. The first is this. The Christmas message is not easy to believe. It is pretty incredible to me. Tim Keller, who's a, a writer, a thinker, a pastor, a book Hidden Christmas, says this. Unless you have heard the Christmas message and at some point found it incredible too, I'm not sure you have ever heard it If you have never stood and looked at the gospel and found it ridiculous, impossible, Inconceivable. I don't think you have really understood. So if you're here this morning and you're like, 
There is no way that God really took on human flesh, that God really entered into the mess of human life. You're in good company. This is a hard message to believe. But it's also a message that God invites us to respond to. When you read the Gospels, there's really only three conclusions. You can either think that Jesus is a liar, he's making it up, he's a lunatic, right? Dude is crazy. Or he is actually the Lord that the angels say he is. The Christmas message invites us to respond, to make up our mind, to choose, to enter in a process of discerning. So what is true and what is known about Christmas? What it requires invites us into some exploration. I know this about my story. I was not, I didn't grow up in this kind of environment where I ever heard this message. I remember I was at a college campus, I was just hanging out with friends, someone invited me to a Bible study. I was like, what's that? You know? You do what? Right? And then I just walked with people. And it was in the company of friends learning together. But I kind of got to lean in and learn about who Jesus was. And then I had this profound experience of him. So one of the things we're going to do in this season, going into January, is we're going to lead a class called Alpha. And Alpha is really just a space for us to explore these questions. It's a place for us to bring all the questions we have, our wonderings, our doubts, and just be with other people. We're going to do dinner, each gathering. We're just going to do dinner, we're going to watch a little video, and then we're going to talk about it. And there's no right or wrong answers in that space. It's a space, honestly, just to be together and explore. So if you're interested in that, that feels like, huh, I don't know what to think about this, but I'm going to try that out. We have different science sheets. Sign up, let us know, and we'll figure out time to kind of work for the most amount of people. Which brings me then to my second point. See, when I was growing up, one of the reasons my dad said that we never went to uh, church was this. He said, if I go into that building, right, the roof is going to collapse on me. I didn't realize until later what he really meant was, man, I've done some messed up things in life, and I think God is going to punish me. I don't want to get within a 10 foot pole of that place. Even though we did trees, we did candy, you know, we did lights, we did presents every single year. I don't think my dad ever got the true meaning of the Christmas message. And which is this. God draws near before we get our act together. Before we figure out our theology. Before we figure out all of our behaviors. God draws near to the shepherds. He doesn't force them to climb up the ladder. He comes down the slide into their present, into their everyday life. Right? And this is what is the good news of great joy for all people. Now, no matter where you're at, where you're at on your faith journey, uh, my hope is that God will draw near to you this morning. You know, maybe it'll be like the shepherds and you know, the worship team's going to come up and then when they come up, they're going to sing songs and maybe you'll go home right, praising and glorifying God just as they did. Or maybe you'll be more like the wiser. Right? They have this idea that God is on the move and they go on this long journey. Maybe that journey starts today. Or maybe it's when uh, this week you're unwrapping presents, right? And you have this massive mess to clean up. 
And it's in that moment of cleaning up this huge mess that God draws me. Now, I don't know exactly how God will show up, but that is my prayer. That Christmas would not be sort of just an exercise in trees and lights and lessons, but it would be an opportunity to actually be with Him. I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to sing some songs, but as we start, before we start, I'd like to just say a prayer for us and see what God does. God, I am so grateful. Jesus, I am so grateful. You wade into our everyday mess. You wade into those lonely places and you want to be with us. But this is not about good advice, but it's about good news, stuff that you have done. God, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us this morning, that you would move among us. Now, whether this is our first day in church in 50 years, or we've been coming for every Sunday for 50 years, God, we pray that you would show up. We pray that you would come down that slide again into our presence. Snuggle up in the pew next to us, God, in the midst of our grief and in the midst of our rejoicing. God, in the midst of a crazy morning or a peaceful one, in the midst of a fight, in the midst of a wonderful time celebrating with family, God, show up. We're here, we're listening, we're holding our hands, God, you are blessed.